My name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors today, and we're taking a break from the series that we've been doing, the series called The Jesus Way in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. We're taking a, a little bit of a break from that today because we want to recognize our moms, our mothers today. Um, the first official Mother's Day, you may not know this, was not invented by greeting card companies or flor- florist companies or whatever. It was um, started in May 1908 in a Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia as a holiday to recognize the accomplishments of women. And it was really kind of a culmination of the whole movement uh, for the, from decades past where, uh, where women were, were being more recognized in society and eventually led to uh, the right to vote and other things. And by 1912, many states and and churches and cities had adopted Mother's Day as an annual holiday. By 1914, President Woodrow Wilson actually made it a national holiday. And as you can imagine, this being America, it wasn't long before the florists caught up and the card companies and um, all of the other merchants who began to capitalize on the burgeoning popularity of this holiday and, and so it became so commercialized that the, the woman who founded it, she started, uh, she was so disgusted by that, she actually started a campaign to have Mother's Day removed from the, the calendar, from the holiday again, because, you know, it had become kind of a lot what it is today. And so my point, Mother's Day is not a, a biblical holiday, okay? It's not like Good Friday or Easter, um, but we're recognizing it today because motherhood is a big deal in the Bible. It's a major theme in the Bible. Um, Mothers play just this amazingly huge role in some of the very most important stories in Scripture, starting at the very beginning with Eve, whose name means the mother of all humanity, all the way to Jesus' mother, and And she's featured at the beginning and the end of his life in prominent ways and many, many more. And so what I want you to understand this morning is that God has a very high view of mothers and so should we. Okay, so moms, I want you to know how much God loves you, how much God honors you today, how powerfully God can use you in the world that he's placed you. And everybody who has a mom, let me just do a poll here. How many of you have a mom? Now, some of you are like, whoa, what happened? (laughs) You're not raising your hand. How did you get here? (laughs) Everybody who has a mom, I just want you, encourage you to see them as God sees them. Now, look, I know all our moms are not perfect, and some far from it, but I want to encourage you to let them know how much you love them and honor them as well if you can, if you can, if your mom is still around. So a couple things I want to share with you. As we, as we delve into this topic a little bit today, first of all, that, that God cares for mothers no matter their situation. And so and the, the Bible gives us a lot of different examples of God's care and concern and provision for mothers. And the one example I want to share with you is we, we see God's care demonstrated for a woman named Naomi. Her story is told in the Old Testament book of Ruth. And what Naomi's story is that her husband has died. Her two, only two children, her two sons have died. And so she is bereaved. She's grieving. And, and so she's prepared now to return to 
the hometown of her husband. He had inherited some land there before he died, and so that was her only hope, really, to go on. And so you have this grieving mother. All she has left in her family is she has two daughters-in-law, and, and she says to them, look, you know, you guys are still young. You should just leave, go back home, whatever, start over again. You know, don't, don't hitch your wagon to me because I'm just going to drag you down. And, and so here's how she's feeling about that in Ruth uh, chapter 1, verse 3. One, uh, she says, things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Moms, you ever feel that way? Right? You feel a little beaten down by life. Sometimes you feel like, you know, you're even questioning God. Or maybe, you know, so, so many things. Maybe you, you have hope to be a mom and you feel like God is, has raised his fist against you because you haven't been able to conceive. I know when, when I was first married, uh, my wife was not able to conceive. And so for many years we were childless until we were able to adopt. But motherhood is tough. It's hard. And so Naomi says, look, man, I just feel like God himself is against me in this whole thing as she's bereaved from her children. And so and then later on in the same chapter, she says, she's so bummed out, she says, don't call me Naomi, instead call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. The word Naomi, the name Naomi means pleasant. The name Mara means bitter. So she says, look, this is my new name. Don't call me Naomi you know, because sometimes motherhood is pleasant, right? And you, you're Naomi. And sometimes motherhood is painful. And you're Mara, right? For Naomi, it was painful right then in that particular situation. So this is, this is what she finds herself in. Now, if you fast forward to the fourth, the final chapter of the book of Ruth, without uh, sparing you the details of all the, the, of what happened in between... She has one of her daughter-in-laws returned to her hometown and, and to start over again, and the other one stayed with her. That, her name is Ruth, and the book is named after her. So Ruth has stayed with her. So Naomi has, and Ruth have moved back to, again to her husband's hometown where he grew up, but as a widow, she has inherited this land, but she's forced to sell it. She has to take care of herself. She has no means to, to take care of herself, no one to take care of her for her. And so as she has to sell this inherited land, this distant relative named Boaz steps in. And Boaz says, okay, I'll buy the land. And so now she's cared for. Now she's got resources. And also on top of that, Boaz Without the details are great. If you have a chance to read the book of Ruth, you'll see what an intriguing story it is, how God is at work through that. But the point is that Boaz then marries Ruth, the daughter-in-law. And so now Naomi is, is part of a family. She's secure for the rest of her life. And soon Ruth has a son, and the, the son is named Obed. And you know, in the uh, a unique thing about the Old Testament legal system is that technically Obed is the heir of Ruth's dead husband. Okay, so there, there was provision for families to be continue, have continuity that way. So Obed is not biologically related to Naomi, but technically he's her grandson. And so she's restored to family again. Now Obed was the grandfather of a, a person you've heard of. He's a grandfather of King David. And so Naomi and her family have this special place in the history of Israel and ultimately in God's redemptive history through their relationship with King David. 
But as you delve into the details of the story, it's just very, very clear that God is at work in Naomi's story from day one. She feels abandoned, but he has never abandoned her. She feels like he's, he's raised a fist against her, but he's always been with her, on her side, nurturing her, moving her forward. God is the one who's setting things up. God is the one who's moving all the pieces around. God is the one who brings Boaz along at just the right time, just the right reason. So God is watching over and providing for Naomi from day one, and he's guiding her course at every turn. And so instead of calling her bitter, Look at the end of the story. Look what the women in the town are saying about her. They're saying, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. And there's many more examples in the Bible of God's care and concern and love for mothers. Naomi's just one. But it reminds us, you know, that, gosh, motherhood can be one of the greatest experiences in life. It can also be one of the hardest the stress, the responsibilities, the disappointments, the unfulfilled longings, all of the things that go with it in this fallen, broken world of, of human beings, all of those things can make you wonder, like Naomi, if God is really there for you. You may feel very alone. You may feel very unappreciated at times, and maybe much of the time. You may feel stretched to the limit of your capacity, right? That's why I want you to know today from the Bible that God loves you, that God cares about you, that he knows what you're dealing with in your life, that he's there alongside you, he's there with you when you can't feel it, when you can't see it. His fingerprints are still on your life. His guidance is still there, and he's at work all along the way when you're blessed He's work all, at work all along the way when you're bitter. He's working out his good plans for your life. That's the first thing. I want to encourage you with that. Now, to build on that, I want you to see this biblical picture. The second thing that, that we have to grapple with today is that God honors ordinary mothers. God honors, you know, God has placed mothers in a position in, in human life, in society, and in family. It's not just cultural. It's something that's defined and created by God. He's placed mothers in a position that you deserve honor and respect. He, in fact, God built this principle into the very Ten Commandments itself. It's, in other words, it became part of the fabric of Israel's life and, and as such, it became part of God's covenant with them, this role that mothers play. You see it in the Ten Commandments in Leviticus 19. Each of you must show great respect for your mother and father. <clears throat> now, I've read this a million times, and I, and I realized this week in prepping this, I, I realized I just tend to think of this generically. In my mind, it just says parents. But God calls out mothers specifically. Fathers too, but, but he puts mothers first and he names them specifically, particularly. So they, they ought not to be ignored in this thing. And, it, and this is a principle that's not just for ancient Israel. It's a universal principle. It extends to the present day. You see that because it's, it's reiterated in the New Testament. And so in Ephesians chapter 6... The Apostle Paul says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. He speaks it generically, but now he breaks it down. Honor your father and mother. 
and he's quoting directly from the Ten Commandments. So by doing so, he says, this is not just for Israel. This is for, for all of God's people, whoever, wherever. And he's expanding on or helping us to understand the thrust of what it means to, to honor our mothers here. And part of honoring your mom is you do what she says. Right? Okay? Now, it doesn't apply in the same way when you're grown up and you're an adult out living on your own. But listen, if, if you're still living at home, no matter what age you are, if you're still living at home, you, you listen to what your mom says, right? And I don't want you to give her grief when she asks you to help or, or, or she lays down the law, said this is the way our house works. These are the rules of our house. You're not gonna give her the eye roll. You're not gonna go, oh, mom, you know, and just go be passive aggressive or whatever it is that young people do. So I don't care if you're 13 or you're 30. If you're living at home, then you gotta obey your mom. That's a way that you show honor to her. But, you know, no matter how old you are, no matter whose house you live in, that the honor part, the obey part, doesn't necessarily apply when you're out on your own, but the honor part always applies no matter what. It's how we treat our moms. It's how we speak to them. It's how we speak about them to other people. It's our attitude. Even if she wasn't a very good mom. I know, I know plenty of people whose mom was... Not the best, okay? I know some of you, maybe your mom was an addict. Maybe your mom had a lot of emotional problems. Maybe, maybe she grew up in a household where she didn't learn nurture and love, and, and, and she had a hard time passing that on to you. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. God still says that you treat your mom with respect. It just doesn't mean you have to agree with her values. It doesn't mean you have to, to go along with everything that matters for her. Uh, you, it doesn't mean you don't have good boundaries, and you observe those boundaries as you need it. It doesn't mean you have to be best buds with your dysfunctional mom. But there's still some level of respect that God calls for just because she is a mother and just because she's your mother. Okay, does that make sense? There's still some level of respect. And the point here is that, that ultimately what, it, what it's about is you're really honoring God when you honor your mom. That you honor God by respecting your mother, and of course other mothers that are in your life who've crossed your path, that, that whoever they are, they don't have to be your mother for you to respect them and to honor, honor them as well. Now one reason in the Bible why mothers are worthy of respect, we see it in Proverbs 31, she's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of failure. Now that's an idealized picture, right? Not every mom is, uh, laughs in the face of failure. But you know what? Moms are strong. Moms are clothed with strength. They have to be. And even ordinary moms, I'm not talking about super moms. You know, y'all, y'all know somebody who looks like a super mom. Like they seem to do everything all the time and get it all right all the time. Their kids are just like golden. And, and you know, uh, they just, but, but this is for e- everyday ordinary moms. I know moms who've lost a child in our own, in our own family, some, and in our church. You know, those moms have to be strong. They have to be strong. And the grief that they go through, the sorrow creates a depth and a dignity of soul that deserves respect. I know moms who have to go it alone. 
You know, maybe they're widowed at an early age or their husband is deployed overseas or the dad just took off or whatever, whatever situation it is. I just I look at that. That's a strength that I don't have, grinding it out day after day after day and two or three you know, kids under age of four. And it's like sometimes it's like, wow, that's just like how do you do that? You're strong. My mom had 10 kids in 16 years. She was strong. We figured out one time that from the time my oldest sister was conceived to the time that my youngest sister was born, my mom was pregnant like two-thirds of the time. Okay, so she's a strong, man. She's, she's not with us anymore, but, but she had to be strong, and she was. So I see ordinary moms every day. I see ordinary moms rising to the occasion again and again and again and defying the odds and doing the impossible. So, guys, you know what? It's easy to take your mom for granted. Especially some of you who are younger, you know, and you, yeah, you don't know the big picture yet. You, you just get up in the morning, your lunch is all packed and ready to go, you know, and your clean clothes magically appear in your drawer every week like, whoa, like, the, like there's some kind of laundry elf. No, it's your mom. So God says, honor your mom and, and treat her with respect. Here's one way to do that in Proverbs 31 is to let her know. Her children rise and call her blessed. And the idea of rising or standing, that's a sign of respect. You stand when an important person enters the room, right? And it's a sign of going public with that. You know, so, so it's, about, it's not just about privately telling your mom, but, it's, but what do you say and do and your attitudes and your actions, even in the public sphere, that honor your mom? Not just the obligatory Mother's Day brunch, I hope you enjoy that today, but all year long. Right, all year long. Rise and call her blessed. Now, one way to important way to honor mothers, while we're in the book of Proverbs, let me note this. One way to important to, way to honor mothers is to listen and to follow their teaching and their wisdom. So in Proverbs 1, my child, listen when your father corrects you, and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Both of them, see, have a unique role. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. It's going to be a beautiful, a beautiful uh, adornment to your life if you listen to your mother's teaching, if you take it seriously, right? Uh, that's especially true, moms, when your input comes from the Bible and, and they're, they're sharing with us the truth of God's word and how to apply it to life. My mom did not know Jesus like that. She wasn't sharing that with me. But when it happens, that's awesome. But you know what? This is also about honoring the wisdom that life brings that your mom has. Because your mom's been through it all. Right? And she's learned a lot in, in all these years. Teens, teenage, teens, you hear, you know, I know you think your mom is so clueless. And in a lot of ways, she is. I'll grant you that. She's clueless about things that really don't matter a lot, like fashion and technology and the latest lingo, right? Latest cool phrases. But you know what? When it comes to life and living life, she has this wisdom born from experience that I hope you can begin to appreciate. Sometimes you won't appreciate it till you're an adult yourself and you go, oh, my mom suddenly got really smart between my 18th and 19th years. Right? Sometimes it's later, right? She's got this wisdom born from experience. Sometimes she had to learn the hard way when she was young. She may have some scars 
from life choices that she made when she was younger, and she doesn't want you to go through that. Do you get that? She doesn't need to be a professional counselor. She doesn't need to be a published author to have this wisdom and this credibility. She certainly doesn't need to be a social media influencer to have wisdom that you don't have. So you need to listen to her and honor her for that life experience. So moms, thank you. Thank you for the input you've given. Thank you for all the wisdom that you have imparted to us over the years. Thank you for all the eye rolls and bad attitudes that you've endured from us over the years, right? Thank you for how you've persevered when we weren't listening. We honor you for that, for your teaching. And that kind of leads to our final point. We see that, you know, moms, <clears throat> moms go through some tough things and have some times of blessing too. God is always there. Moms are strong. Moms have wisdom. And that leads to the third thing I want to share with you, that, that God uses mothers of faith. God uses women. Being a mother puts you in a place where God can work through you in the lives of others, not just your children, certainly your children in a significant way, but others as well, because of the role that he's given you in society and in the family and in his created order. So in, in the New Testament, one great example of that is in the life of Timothy. Now, Timothy was a protege, a ministry partner of the Apostle Paul, and Paul took him under his wing and developed him. And, as the, and in fact, there's, Paul wrote two letters to Timothy that are in the New Testament today called First and Second Timothy. Okay, there's your Bible lesson for the day, right? So in Second Timothy, Paul's getting older. He knows he doesn't have a lot uh, left in the tank or maybe a lot of years left in his life. So he's passing on to Timothy the most important things that he can tell him about life and ministry as he passes the baton to this younger generation. And one thing that he points out is how important it was that Timothy appreciates the influence of two key women in his life, his mother and his mother's mother. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So his grandmother came to faith in Jesus. His mother came to faith in Jesus. And, and then they passed that on to him as well. What a, what a powerful influence in Timothy's life. And then two chapters later, chapter three, Paul says, you must remain faithful to things you've been taught. Taught by who? Well, taught by these women. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So Timothy's mother and her mother taught him the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. They taught him from childhood. They imparted this legacy to his life, all that he needed to trust in Jesus for salvation. Now, Timothy, as we look, we know in retrospect, now looking back 2,000 years, Timothy became a pretty important player in the early Christian church. He became a pretty important factor in the growth of Christianity in that first century in the ancient world. And so in, in a very real way, his role, he had a part in helping to change the world. It was two mothers who got that ball rolling. That's their legacy. God used them in a powerful way. 
I bet when they were training young Timothy to follow Jesus, they had no idea what God would do. They had no idea that he'd you know, be in the Bible, that he'd be a partner of the Apostle Paul. They had no idea what God's purpose and God's plan for him would be. And likewise, you know, we don't know the impact that our lives might have in the lives of our children. We just don't know yet. But God can use you as a Christian mom beyond what you might even dream. And maybe, maybe only eternity will reveal what the consequences of that impact and that influence might be. Now, I don't bring this up to, to try to lay some kind of obligation on you today. I don't bring it up to say, oh, you need to work harder and do better and you need to be more. You know, you know it, I know that if you're a mother, you probably put more than enough demands upon yourself without my help. I just want to point this out to encourage you that what you do matters, that God's involved in it. And I'm, I'm sure you've not always felt like it matters. I'm sure you've felt like your kids aren't getting it. And no matter how hard you try and what you try to do and part into their life, and I'm sure that you think of a million things that you wish you had done and a million more things that you wish you had done differently. My kids are adults now. Between Sally and I, we have five. Some of hers and some of mine, you might say. They're not all following Jesus. Their lives don't all reflect what I'd hoped for them. You know, as a, as a mother, that, that's one of the hard things, right? When, you know, our kids have their own life, their own choices, their own uh, agency, and they grow up, and they don't always follow the wisdom that we imparted to them and the faith that we built into their lives. But over time, as my kids grow and they live out their adult lives, I see, I can see more and more of the legacy of their mothers in them. Even the ones who don't profess faith in Christ, I can see the positive imprint that their influence of their, each of their mom, their mom put in them. Is it the legacy of perfect motherhood? No. But is it impactful? Without a doubt. So I want to encourage you today, start with whatever faith you have, wherever your faith is at. Maybe you're new in the faith. Maybe you're seasoned in the faith. And just keep growing it. Keep pursuing God. Keep following after him. You know, find a, a woman's group. Request a mentor. Whatever it might be, just keep cultivating your faith. And then whenever, in whatever way you can, you bring it into the life of your kids. And of course, that's so different depending on how old they are, what stage of life they're in. And, you know, for us, it's different than it was when our kids were small. But you keep finding ways, asking the Holy Spirit to give you ways to bring that faith into the life of your kids. And let's see what God can do. Might not see it in this world. Might only see a glimpse of it. But we're going to see that God uses mothers of faith. And so I just want to remind you today, and I want to assure you today, that, that God loves you, that you matter as a mom. You matter, and God cares about you, and we love you, and we respect you. It's the hardest job in the world, and it's a calling that really, really counts. So thank you. Thank you for everything that you've poured in, into that calling. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for hanging in there in the tough times as well as the good times and trusting God when it's tough. Love you, Mom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your kindness 
and goodness to us, for providing our families, for providing our parents, our mom, for that wisdom that we need, for that, that strength that, that kept us going through a tough time, for your presence in the tough times and in the good times. I just pray today that, that all, of our, all of our women here in, in Alpine Church this morning and Leighton Campus would feel your encouragement and your favor and your honor upon them. And I pray that they would feel it from us who know them and love them as well. And we pray it in Jesus' name for his honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.